At times, the Lord may call us to certain tasks which seem almost impossible, but yet exciting and alluring. Such is the case of three Noah's Ark researchers we'll hear from today. What can we learn from them? Stay tuned. God taught me a great deal that day about praying and trusting Him and the fact that He can do anything. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. 14,000 feet up in the frozen world of Mount Ararat, three men lie bleeding, paralyzed and unconscious, having been struck by lightning. Several years later, another group of Americans at the same elevation would be attacked by terrorists and held at gunpoint. Is there something on that mountain that's worth risking it all? These men think so. Please stay with us for the next 15 minutes for part two of The Search for Noah's Ark. We'll find out how God protected these brave explorers and what they believe is the importance of finding Noah's Ark. Dr. John Morris is president of ICR and a veteran Ark researcher. The Bible doesn't prophesy that the Ark is going to be found in the last days. And, and in fact, you think about it, how could a wooden vessel survive all these thousands of years since the flood? I mean, what would we expect to find? Wood deteriorates. The mountain is a volcano. It's erupted since the flood. I mean, this would be a very hostile environment. How could it be preserved? The only way it could be preserved is if God himself just placed his hand on the ark and protected it all these years. And what would God have used to preserve the vessel? There are two possibilities for the ark to be preserved. I mean, the ark, the flood was a long time ago, and, and how could it last for 5,000 years? One is that it's frozen in the glacier at the top of the mountain, and there's a huge glacier on top, and if the ark is frozen in the ice, only maybe once every 20 years or so does a part of it stick out of the ice. The rest of the time it's frozen. Well, maybe that's how it's been preserved. I mean, wood rots. It's got to be preserved somehow. The other possibility is that the ark is petrified, actually turned to stone. The best environment in which wood can turn to stone is being buried in volcanic ash, and Mount Ararat is a volcanic mountain. But why would God want to preserve Noah's ark? He may have in mind a sign here in the last days, a reminder that God judges sin, but that God does provide a way of salvation to those who believe. That's kind of what I think the ark's message is. John McIntosh, the president of Search Foundation, also believes that God has protected Noah's ark. You know, if the Lord has actually preserved this... Uh parts of the ark there as a witness in his timing, he will open this up somehow so that it is found and documented and the message of the ark can be heard. I think we're very close to something. I, I see the ark as a prophetic thing and that, you know, if the Lord has actually preserved it, and there's a lot of indication that he has, that he's got a time for it to be found and documented. And because of the times we're living in, uh, prophetically, and, and as I understand them, I think we're close to having something happen. Uh, and, and when he said, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be again in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And we think this would be a very strong indication that we are indeed in days again like Noah, days of violence and skepticism and unbelief and so on, and that we are at the end time period of his return. And this would be like another last-minute call to say, uh, check out the book. Uh, you're in the final inning, folks. It's time to wake up. ARC Research Project Director Professor James Hall also hopes to use the ARC for worldwide evangelism. To me, there is uh, evidence that the ARC is in existence, and I would ask myself the question, well, why would the Lord want to protect it all of these centuries? 
And I felt, well, okay, it would be something to warn the world that the Lord is coming back as he promised. And uh, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone uh, to believe and have an opportunity to accept him, to prove to a very skeptical world that this is the Ark of Noah and this is the Ark of the Holy Scriptures, and to use it as a witness of the soon return of Christ. And he says if the Ark is found, he will be very meticulous when documenting it. If we announced to the world that we have discovered Noah's Ark, they would be looking for a very high-quality documentary to prove that this is the Ark. So we really have a very sophisticated task in front of us, a very momentous task to do that. So my goal is to pull out all the stops, supposedly, and use all the technology that's available. We really have sophisticated technology. It's very expensive, but I felt for doing this for the Lord, and he's behind it, then money should be no object uh, to get this done in a very high-quality fashion. 2 Corinthians 5.7 tells us, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So, if Noah's Ark is found, would this be sight and not faith? Well, according to Professor Hall, not necessarily. My goal is to bring the world with this documentary to a point where they will say, Yes, you have proved to me that this is the Ark of the Scriptures. Now it's up to me to make a choice and a decision whether or not I should accept Christ as my Savior. Then we can bring those people to a point where they can say they're without excuse. But if the Ark is found, isn't there a danger of it becoming an idol to some people? Dr. Morris. Many people have suspected that the Ark would be turned into an object of worship, and, and certainly there will be people who revere it or use it wrongly if it were to be found. But the fact that some would misuse it doesn't negate the possibility that many people would be positively affected by its discovery. Uh, God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing. Maybe he's delayed its discovery uh, to minimize that kind of thing, but uh, there will be people that misuse it, I'm certain. John McIntosh. Well, human nature would tend to want to do that with it, I'm sure. And I personally don't feel like the Lord would allow that to be done. But other ARC researchers have gotten this impression, too, that if it is found and allowed to be documented, uh, it would be for a period of time, and then it would be very likely the Lord would make it inaccessible again, bury it, or uh, do something that would that they could no longer be you know, held up as a spiritual icon. So we see that last-day evangelism is a goal many explorers have in wanting to find Noah's Ark. So what kind of deadly turmoil has hindered the search in the past? Dr. John Morris gives us a frightening first-hand account. On my many expeditions to Mount Ararat, uh, we have had experiences that you just could hardly believe. We've been shot at a number of times. We've been captured by terrorists. We've been thrown in jail. We've been attacked by wolves. We've had narrow escapes with mountain lions and bears. And Probably the worst thing that happened to us happened to me and two other guys as we climbed one day at about 14,000 feet elevation. A thunderstorm came up, and suddenly we were up in the clouds, and lightning was flashing all around. Thunder was everywhere. We were inside the lightning cloud. It was amazing. And before that afternoon was over, we were struck by lightning. Uh, I was badly injured, uh, paralyzed from the waist down for hours, lying up in the snow. But my other two climbing buddies were injured more than me. And what was going through Dr. Morris's head during this time? The things that God brought to my mind, well, scriptures. I, I just quoted a lot of scriptures. I was laying there paralyzed and expecting to die. But I also remembered how, in particular, one dear old saintly lady 
from the church that had sent us off to come to Mount Ararat. Um, she told me up until she died that she prayed for me every day, and, and I just was very much aware that she and others were back home praying, and, and that God would answer. God did answer. Finally, after several hours, after having laid there in the snow, paralyzed, I just really think that God just miraculously allowed me to regain feeling in my legs and strength, and I was able to care for the other two guys for the next four hours, and then as the storm began to wane, several hours later, we pulled ourselves up the rest of the mountain, up to where the glacier was flat, where we could pitch our tent and gain shelter from the storm. Uh, God taught me a great deal that day. He taught me about praying and trusting Him and the fact that He can do anything. God is a great God, and God used that rather tragic experience to fill my tank, as it were, and I've been running on that gas tank uh, ever since. What other perils did Dr. Morris and his team endure? I remember the first time I was arrested and, and put in a Turkish jail. I wasn't mistreated, but I remember that the second-in-command was just screaming, frothing at the mouth, just insisting that we be executed at the spot. Now, the commander was a little bit wiser and, and calmer, and he actually overcame the uh, second-in-command, but I thought we were goners. And then there was the time... Soldiers forced us to lay face down in a ditch, and guns pointed at our heads. I, I mean, I thought we were dead. It was just, what can you do at that point? Um, but God intervened and preserved our lives and allowed us to continue the search. John McIntosh has also had his share of problems in eastern Turkey. My first visit there, I was detained by... The Turkish military, they thought I was an American spy. And I was taken to a military post and interviewed and so on. They finally figured out I was a good guy. And in, in 82, they thought I was a KGB agent. And in 83, we were arrested for suspected Armenian material. And it's something like this almost every year you go over there. And then there were the terrorists. We were attacked by Kurdish terrorists at about 14,000 feet at midnight on the mountain. They were ousted out of our tents held at gunpoint with AK-47 assault weapons and held for about three hours while they uh, torched our belongings and took cameras and uh, money and other things they wanted. And They hiked us down to 11,000 foot level in the early morning hours to where there were more bandits and they um, lined us up like they were going to shoot us, a firing squad it looked like, and instead they took flash pictures for international publicity and attention. But people aren't the only problem on the mountain. Dr. Morris. You know, one of the things that I dream about the most is the animal attacks that we had. On numerous occasions, we were attacked by wolves and surrounded by these howling wolves that would have just torn us limb from limb. And I think about these things and just in thankfulness, God, thank you for preserving our lives. Remember another time we were climbing in an area that was a rock-covered glacier. It was a very hot day on that glacier, and we noticed bear tracks just right up ahead of us and looked around the corner, and there was this bear just looking at us. He was kind of sitting up in the ice, and it was too hot to come out. Otherwise, well, we just kind of tiptoed around him. As you can see, God's protective hand has been upon his children on Mount Ararat, and the search for Noah's Ark will continue. The Ark's message is just too important to ignore. Uh, Noah's Ark was the means God used to preserve the believers during a time of tremendous judgment of sin. He says there's another judgment coming, not by water this time, but by fire. And yet he's provided another way of salvation, and that, of course, is Jesus Christ our Lord. By climbing on board that Ark, by entrusting our lives and our destiny to the Lord, based on what Christ has done, gone to God the Father and asked for forgiveness of our sin based on the fact that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for our sins. 
then we, in effect, by analogy, climb on board the ark, the ark Jesus Christ, and we escape the coming judgment and replace it in a new and better world afterwards. It's the same story. God is a God who judges sin, but a God who is a saving, gracious God who provides a way of salvation. Thanks for joining us for the conclusion of the search for Noah's Ark. Also, we wanted to let you know that ICR is giving away a booklet called The Scientific Case Against Evolution. And joining us in the studio right now is Dr. John Morris. Hello, Dr. Morris, and welcome. Hello, Chris. Dr. Morris, how might this booklet help people? Chris, on the program we just heard, I I talked about some of the perils others and I went through on Mount Ararat while searching for Noah's Ark. I've got to tell you, if I wasn't a firm believer in the Bible and its truth about creation, I wouldn't have made all those dangerous trips. This little booklet points out the absolute impossibility of evolution on a scientific basis, although it's written in layman's terms. It uses a lot of quotes from evolutionary scientists themselves to disprove evolution. This booklet will help people understand that evolution is a lie, and what we read about creation in the Bible, including the account of Noah and the Flood, is true. I would encourage everyone to get their free copy. Well, thank you, Dr. Morris. Thank you, Chris. And to get your free booklet, just call 1-800-7-GENESIS. It's yours for the asking. To ask for today's free offer, please call toll-free 1-800-7-GENESIS. That's 1-800-7 and the word Genesis. And you can address your letters to ICR at P.O. Box 2667, El Cajon, California, 92021. If there's a topic you would like us to cover on the program, then email us at radio at icr.org. ICR's website address is www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.